Before we get started, just a quick note about something you hear at the end of the show. In the credits, I mentioned that Nate Schweber does the music. And don't worry, he still does. But I wanted to tell you that he's got a new album out. It's called Gaps, and it's available for download or in handy CD format. And I invite you to check out nateschweber.bandcamp.com to listen to snippets and to add it to your musical collection. Thanks for supporting independent musicians. And now, here's that familiar Nate tune to get us started. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer. It's the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint, and I'm John Hall. This week, I've dialed up Jeremy Marshall, the brewmaster at Lagunitas Brewing Company. So strap in, because we're going to take this roller coaster on all the turns, dips, loops, and drops. But first, a reminder to check out BeerEdge.com and to sign up for the newsletter. Check out more on this podcast on the website, as well as the podcast hosted by Andy Crouch. And please connect with our social media at The Beer Edge wherever you get your social medias. Despite being one of the largest breweries in the country, I hadn't given Lagunitas much of a thought in recent years. I'd of course see its IPA on tap when I went to bars, well, back when I went to bars, and its familiar glass bottles are ubiquitous on shelves. It was there, I was happy to see it, but I usually ordered something else or grabbed something else to go. And a lot of people are drinking the beer, sure, but as the beer landscape and the conversation has shifted to local in recent years, some of the middle-tier breweries that we've long known and just kind of taken for granted have been making big moves. So when the new press representative for the brewery, which has been wholly owned by Heineken for the last three years, reached out, I thought it would be smart to check in and to see where the brewery is and where it's looking to go. Jeremy Marshall, the brewmaster, has been with the company for most of his brewing career and has seen the company grow from its once modest Petaluma, California home base to Chicago to overseas, as well as even a small brewery in Seattle. Under his watch, the brewery has grown from about 21,000 to over a million hectoliters. They are Dutch, so they use hectoliters, not barrels, in their reporting. Because of his longevity, he's seen the brewery mature over the years, from the days of it being shut down by the feds because of a joint, to now looking into the non-alcoholic beer space. Of course, marijuana is still part of the culture of the company, and its infused cannabis beverages are growing in popularity. But you'll hear why he doesn't think a full THC and alcohol hybrid is part of a likely reality. He spoke to me from the brewery in California, and we started off by, well, what else? covid here's our conversation what kind of year has it been uh dumpster fire is it, you, you wanted it in two words or less right um, <laughs> sure uh that's what makes for great radio is super short answers super short answer man it's, a, it's been a it's been a dumpster <laughs> fire but it's also been i think a year of reckoning for uh not just lagunitas but also a lot of craft because when the you know proverbial poop hit the fan you know and we were i like to use this analogy we were in wiping down our groceries mode mm -hmm. when none of us knew what was going on um there was a lot of real fear about our this you know our, our industry and and thinking oh no are, are are people gonna not buy these relatively expensive and flavorful beers are people gonna trade down is it gonna be all about you know cheap handlebars and everyone's going to go into ration mode and it's going to be like some form of what we might have heard about uh during like you know 
some some crazy country in the 80s and we didn't know what was going on and then we pivoted and we very very quickly realized hey bud you know your your draft is gone i mean the uh you know the the on the on premise is is uh, uh is you know talk talk about a a very seismic shift and and just you know feeling feeling really really terrible i mean we obviously have a lot of deep relationships with a lot of places and reaching out to them all the time and it's it's just like terrible but at the same time those of us who were lucky enough to uh have packaging lines um and and then furthermore you know lucky enough to maybe have access to to some form of can even if that's just a crowler because remember even even crowlers were you know the the supply chain was really interesting because it, it appears that it, it failed everywhere and has still failed, but except for beer, mm-hmm. right? Beer has done a great job of keeping the supply chain going. And, um, and for craft breweries, we had to very, very quickly, uh, shift our package and, and, uh, do things to, to stay afloat. Like I alluded to, you know, it's, it's, it's no, you can't pick on anybody it's a craft brewer for making a craft seltzer anymore. You could a year ago, but you can't now, you know, people just got to do what they got to do to survive. And I think it's forcing a lot of really interesting and cool um, innovations as well. Um, You know, not just another 25,000 New England IPAs that have all kinds of amazing, cool hops in them. Um, That trend has strengthened in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, we're seeing a lot of other, uh, you know, cool stuff, e- even innovation within what I would call interesting in 1990s craft beer. So, you know, you're, you're, yeah, what you're does that mean? School, you know, I got a, I got a brown ale, I got a porter, I got a Dortmund lager, you know, all these, what craft beer looked like decades ago. You're even <laughs> seeing uh, people doing that again, you know, so it's. I don't think that it's it's been challenging, but I don't think that it's been uh, terrible for beer overall. You mentioned the supply chain, and there's a lot of conversation that's happening uh, around aluminum cans right now, and people are starting to get worried about a crunch. And some of the manufacturers have said, "Okay, we're going to uh, build some plants, and we're going to uh, meet demand as as best we can." But um, I think some of the smaller breweries out there are starting to get a little panicked as to whether or not they're going to be able to get their crowler cans or get their 12 or 16 ounce cans as, as, as they were. The thing that I was struck about when I was visiting uh, Lagunitas.com before uh, we started recording was I always thought of you all as a, a bottled beer brewery and still do to this day. And I know you're, you're canning your beers, but right on the front page, IPA and Lil something are both featured in bottles. And I'm wondering if, that has been a benefit for you guys in the last couple of months as people have been talking about can shortage is that, you know, you have had both lines and people think of you in, in, in glass bottles and they don't necessarily seem to mind that. Well, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I think that if you really kind of dig into it, I mean, I, I personally um, have it's taken me some time to warm up to the can, but I can really see the advantages. But when I want to have a really nice beer, I pour it into a glass. So I, I like to think that, what do you drink your beer in? Well, I, I usually pour it into a glass. So what package format 
is going to resonate more with you. Well, I'm, I'm probably going to like glass, but now let's play devil's advocate, right? Glass is heavy. Uh, you can fit way more cases uh, into a truck in cans than you can, than you can uh, glass. Mm-hmm. Um, before the supply constraint of, of cans, uh, which I would argue was already happening uh, before the the pinch of you know nobody being able to go out anymore, and instead everybody is enjoying a nice beer on their home patio, and so that you know put a lot of sudden strain. But the the shift was already kind of happening, and uh, you know of course if even though i just told you i really prefer glass because i like to pull my beer into a glass so right therefore you know if your beer is in a in a bottle it's only it's only touching glass mm-hmm. and that's it so it's a it's it's kind of just a a, a perfect vessel but then you you, you also got to play the other side of that well you know okay this this may be less likely to get recycled it's 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 heavier um obviously if it falls on the ground it does something different than what happens if a can falls on the ground. But the really thing is the economic uh, incentive about how much more you can fit into a truck and what that means to somebody's business. I think that was driving it along with the fact that the, that the can is the thing that can go anywhere. Yeah. So that those, those undertones were already strengthening. And I think that, uh, you know, not, not just beer, but let's just say like beverages uh, overall were, kind of uh, already transitioning from from uh, heavy, expensive glass bottles into cans. And then, you know, fast forward to February of this year, then it just, like, accelerated that trend. Uh, but, you know, me, me personally, I walk into a nice taqueria. I look down. I always see that glass bottle Coke, and mm-hmm. that's what I want. I don't even notice the can. And uh, sorry for plugging a uh, a beverage <laughs> but i just you know there's something about that glass bottle that speaks to me no i'm sure you get a, nic- a nickel every time you do the product placement i imagine oh man i i, I wish we'll see we'll see coca-cola 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 um but as far as i there i for some breweries you know and i'm thinking of like the smaller ones in america right now there, there really isn't an option to go back and forth between bottles and cans. So most, you know, in fact, pretty much all of them have gone to cans uh, exclusively. Um, mm-hmm. You all being a larger size, and I think the larger the brewery, the more there's a benefit of having, you know, the options. Because there's going to be people who can get the same beer in a can or in a bottle, and they're going to have a preference, and that's what they're they're going to stick with. But from, from the way that you're sort of describing this, do, do you think there's a day in the nearest future, you know, where Lagunitas won't be coming in 12 ounce bottles anymore. Yeah. That's an interesting question because if you follow the trends, uh, you could, you could perhaps make a graphical representation of that. And it, you know, is it, uh, is it 10 years? I wouldn't say it's like five years, but say, is it 10 years? Is it 20? Uh, but remember, you know, just like, uh, shortages like can shortages and I'll, I'll never forget the hop shortage of 2007 2008 mm-hmm. um the way the way things work in the world is is giant pendulums that swing from from one end to the other so i uh, the romantic side of me would like to believe that just when we think bottles are dead out there they're going to make a a uh, a exciting and unexpected uh 
renaissance, you know, where they become popular again. What I, what I don't know about is, uh, will we ever see the, uh, the, the 22-ounce bottle, the, you know, the so-called uh, bomber yeah. format? Uh, will we see that make a comeback? I don't know. But I always like to bet on the underdog. That's my thing. So, well, I mean, drinking habits have changed so much as well, and I mean, it. it you're hard pressed to find twenty twos these days. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and they're, and if you're trying to sell them, you're hard pressed to even make the sale. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a dinosaur, and um, you know, unfortunately, our culture has moved increasingly towards uh, single serving and convenience. And why do you uh, say unfortunately? Kind of one and done. So why, why do you say, unfortunately, that we've, it's just, you know, it's just, it, it, it's overall, uh, not just our industry, but it it just leads to more trash. So think about like, you know, like packets of this and, 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 you know, uh, lots, lots of individually packed things. It's great for convenience. You grab it on the go. You know, if you've got kids, you live in this world of convenience packed non-resealable mm-hmm. uh but you, then you kind of take a step back and you and you, you look at all that trash you know and you think oh you know that's the unfortunately i was i was sort of wondering just because of the you know, the social aspects as well like i remember getting 22s of you know big boozy imperial stouts or triple ipas you know, two decades ago and you'd have bottle shares with friends which i guess isn't going to happen anytime soon until there's a vaccine and we're all back out in the world again. But you know, it, it also seems that like there's sort of a, a bit of a, I don't know, the lost art of sharing with friends kind of thing. Well, I wouldn't get too uh, been out of shape over that. Because <laughs> I can tell you that uh, uh, at, at, at least at our tap room. So, uh, you know, we uh, Chicago is unfortunately all indoors. So yeah. It's closed, but uh, Petaluma and Seattle have outdoor space. And we've noticed a pretty uh, stark and drastic rise in uh, growlers and crowlers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those are those are even larger format than a 22. You know, you're talking 32 here um, or, 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 you know, it's a it's even more. And patrons are finding something that they like in, in a, a sampling environment. And they're saying. I'd like to have that again on my deck, you know, and they're buying one or two. And I, I seriously doubt that they're going to going to have that all alone. So it's going to be with their family, with their, you know, everybody um, kind of created a little bubble, you know, like these are my peeps and we're all going to exchange microbes with one another. And, uh, and then they live in that, in that little bubble, you know, so they have that little bubble over. Uh, whatever it is, and they're they're still drinking those large formats. The nature of beer recipes have sort of changed, though, as well. And we've seen, I think, the general trend overall, especially when it's coming from some of the larger breweries, is um, thinking about smaller beers, uh, smaller calorically, smaller ABV-wise. Um, there's been sort of a, a bent towards general health conscious as well. Um, I don't think I've seen too much from you all about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious as to when you were talking earlier about innovation, if you see, you know, the new healthier trend in beers, and I use air quotes with healthier, um, as innovation that interests you. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, 
a, tr- a trend is a trend is a trend, right? It's um, it's it's kind of a it's it's kind of an interesting thing, you know. We're we're in the beverage out space. Uh, we're we're not allowed to make health claims, so I do uh, view with suspicious eye, um, you know, anything that's like uh, brewed with you know superfoods and and has all this you know great great stuff in it or or uh you know very very low carbs i mean every 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 brewer every home brewer listening you know if you if you strip all the carbs out of your beer you have a less interesting beer you know it gets thin and part of the greatness of uh of beer is the the beautiful grain that we use and and the carbohydrate profile that you get from using uh, barley and wheat and rye and oats. Um, it, it leaves this amazing silky texture uh, and these amazing long chain polysaccharides like uh, arabinoxylan from wheat, for instance, and pentasan from you know. There's all this stuff at play that, to me, is 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 the beauty of beer and the beauty of that mouthfeel, especially once you link it up with some really, really, really uh amazing hops it just becomes sublime so if you if you take all the carbs out of that if you kind of you know take it down to this thing that we're going to say is uh is uh you know what i mean it it, yeah it it just uh you know i don't i i I don't know you know if i'm if if i'm wanting to be healthy i'm going to drink a bottle of uh of of water i'm going to have something that's that's got no you know, n- none of that in it. Right. So, um, if I'm, if I'm feeling a little bit more frisky, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go in between, you know, our, our big thing, uh, you know, you kind of alluded to, or you made me think of a, a beer that we made daytime, mm-hmm. which when it came out, we called it a fractional IPA. And it was one of the first in early so-called session IPAs, but it was a nod to the fact that, Hey, you know, we're making, Waldo and Maximus and all these, you know, giant double and triple IPAs. And then our, our regular IPAs, uh, like these IPAs, 6.2%, little something, something is like almost seven and a half percent. It was like, we, we need something that is, uh, a little bit less but yeah. in craft brewing. There was this, always this belief that, that less is never more, that less is in fact less. So our philosophy was like, well, let's, Let's, you know, jam a ton more juicy hops in there. Let's really turn the hops up to make up for that lack of, of alcohol. And then if you follow that uh, philosophy, you know, down towards a hoppy refresher and, uh, and then, you know, now we're working on IPNA, but we still got Waldo, Maximus, Supercluster. The idea is you have a spectrum of IPAs. So yeah. it's like an IPA for, for, for everyone, anytime. Is, is kind of what we're going for. So, so even I, 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 I hate to say it, but this is completely legal. I have a four-year-old and he loves hoppy refresher. And sometimes when I watch him drinking that, I'm like, am I, am I uh, doing something bad here? Am I like making a future uh, uh, IPA drinker? And I'm like, hell, it's, it's got no alcohol, zero, you know, it's just dry. It's dry hopped water, uh, which sounds completely silly. Uh, and it kind of, you know, it, it sounds like a joke, but, uh, you know, the, the Germans have been making, um, because of like, uh, 
also during prohibition there were all kinds of like alternative oh yeah uh, hop tonics you know, and yeah. sodas and things like that you know the the germans have been doing that for years i'm i'm trying to think that there's probably some sort of uh old saying of fathers don't let your sons grow up to be ipa drinkers or something like that but uh, uh that doesn't seem like it's well you know what's really funny um back when the uh craft brewing uh, was kind of foisted as like us versus them, like the, the, the small little scrappy craft brewers who came from home brewers. Cause mm-hmm. that, that's what I was before I got into this. I was a home brewer versus the big, the big evil, you know, big beer. Yeah. Um, I used to worry that like, you don't drink what your dad drinks. So like my dad drank, you know, bland, you know, like you know, paps and cores and, 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 you know, just kind of, you know, Budweiser, he, he, he drank the, the mass produced stuff that yeah. like, my craft brewing friends told me in the early days was like, those are the, you know, those are the, the bad guys. And he used to say, well, well, hell, uh, I only drink uh, super flavorful IPAs. Oh, oh no, is my, is my son going to, going to revert and be a lager beer drinker? Uh, but now I would argue it's kind of a moot point because the whole thing got thrown into a blender and became a, a smoothie and now it's like i feel like the whole us and them thing is like uh you know it's 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 not as relevant now as it as it was because the the saga has played out you know what i mean so so so, i mean that that's a pretty good segue because you know my dad actually drank heineken and we used to have green bottles in the fridge growing up and i remember that you know fondly as as it were uh that's the parent company of lagunitas now and Mm -hmm. when you're saying you know, do you think the era of us versus them is over? And is it easy to say uh, that? Because like you're, I, I wouldn't say it's over. I just think it's a moot point. You know, I think, I think that the uh, that we made it in the book to the chapter that told us what was going to happen. So now we're all writing the the next chapter together. And uh, and you know, at first it was probably very very um, scary. Like I'll I'll never forget. Um, you know, I was around like Blue Island when that, you know, that was like a big deal, right? Yeah. At first. And then it was like kind of quiet for a long time. You know, you remember, I mean, there was, there was some other movements and things, but you know, it, it went, and then, and then during uh, the Renaissance period, which I really like to kind of define the Renaissance period of, uh, as of about 2008 until about 2015, which would mark you know, when we did the 50-50 JV. But that was when craft brewing was like... And that's the joint venture with Heineken, yeah. Yeah, that's when we we did our JV in 15, but that that time period also marked when there was a lot of uh, activity with between bigger brewers and Sure, there's brewers. a lot of merger and acquisitions happening at, yeah, around that like, point. Yeah, it became like every day you would read the racks and there would be another one, and it was almost like you became desensitized to it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that has continued... Uh, till this day, uh, albeit it's it's kind of slowed down uh, recently, but it became so common that I, that I would say that it's a uh, it, it's it's really no longer a, a, an, an us and them. Um, you know the the idea is uh, you you think that uh, uh, you think that, uh, that that sometimes you know the, the the big and powerful gobble up the small. And there's like assimilation. But the thing is, is sometimes you end up with somewhere in between the reverse of that. So it's like you kind of you kind of like benefit off of one another. So, you know, like a, a good example is like um, 
we we brew uh, Lagunitas in Netherlands now. That would have never happened before. And I like they flew us out there to help them brew our beer. And I was looking at a, a little sign that said when this building became a brewery, and it said 1340 or something like that. This, yeah. this building had been brewing beer since 1340. And I'm like, these and these guys want to have us show them how to do something? Like, what the, you know? And then I realized that it's the, 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 the big lager brewers have, um, they don't, it's, I don't want to say they don't have the love affair with hops that the craft brewers and the IPA brewers have. It's just that they they don't think about hops in the way that we do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we, we've rekindled an old love affair and, and you get to see it happen. It's actually kind of cool to watch these guys uh, open up a bag of Simcoe and, and smell that for the first time. I mean, it's amazing. See this, this smile that comes across the face is like, wow, you know, you know, like we've never really realized, and this is why uh, the, the New England IPA or the hazy IPA movement is not losing steam. It's gaining steam. It's because there's so much you can do with hops. There's so many flavors and aromas that you can get from hops Yeah, that would otherwise, you know, be found in, in, in nature and in the, in the form of terpenes. And there's so many, uh, you know, ter- terpene is just an aromatic messaging compound that that uh, between plants and animals it might say uh to an animal uh, like a really stinky cannabis plant is, is maybe saying uh you know don't 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 eat me my seeds are not ready yet they're not ready to be spread and then it might you know change and 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 then it's saying you know eat me it's it's either warding off or inviting in uh, just you know the like how a really attractive flower is kind of like a a marketing campaign, right? You know, hello, hello, kind of, kind of thing, and uh, and so hops really, I think, encom- encompass this really amazing spectrum of nature where you can get any kind kind of, you know, tree aroma if it's a pine or a cypress or a eucalyptus, which eucalyptus is like amazing because it it smells like it smells like a, a body odor and chocolate and mint all at the same time. It's <laughs> its own thing, right? And so I love, I don't know if you're selling that, but yeah, well, you know, I don't work for the eucalyptus guild, but, uh, um, you know, you can get like anything that you can find, uh, uh, in, in nature, uh, you can get like, you know, now there's, there's a a hop HBC, uh, 492, I believe it is that you dry hop a beer with this hop and the beer tastes like it's been barrel aged. Like you, now you got hops that come out like. They got like, woody oh, characteristics to them, yeah. Yeah, woody or, or, or Manhattan, you know, it has like a aged, uh, a barrel-aged cocktail kind of thing. Uh, there's a, there's another hop that I swear every time I taste it, I get tequila. Hmm. I'm like, how is, how am I getting tequila from a hop? Well, I'll tell you what, don't ever underestimate and like the fin- And the finished product as well, so it's not just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, sometimes um, the fun part about... Uh, you know, brewing the, the, the hazy styles, which of course their, their selling point is like, they're not bitter, but they're made with a lot more hops. So they have, it's, it's all about the aromatic portion of the hops is watching, you know, customers drink these and then say, are you sure you didn't put guava in here? Or are you, I taste peaches. You know what I mean? Like they really become convinced that you put something else in there and you're like, nope, 
I know for a fact that there is no fruit in that beer. I, I, I want to keep going down the hop thing, but I just, I, I want to just back up just really quick though, to what you were saying. Cause we jumped from one topic to, to, to another because so much of this is personal, I think for, for a lot of the drinkers. And when, you know, we do see some of these these M and A or you know these joint ventures that turn into to acquisitions or or whatever. Um, there are some of the fans who sort of feel betrayed, and you know at, at the time people are saying, oh, "I'll never drink the beer again," or "I'll never," you know, "I'm going to boycott you guys" and all that. And you know, I'm reminded as we're headed into November now, uh, a lot of the same people who screamed about Goose Island uh, are getting ready to line up on Black Friday for their Bourbon County Stout. Um, uh, you know, because the beer keeps sort of bringing them back. And yeah, I, I'm as, as you're talking about, you know, a brewery with history like Heineken going back to the to the 1300s. And, um, you know, do you think that you had a different conversation with folks? Because, you know, for a long time, it was AB or Miller Coors was was, was the enemy and folks didn't necessarily know a lot about Heineken. Mm hmm. Do, do, do you think like you were able to have a different conversation and maybe, you know, some of the people, you know, that, you know, because yeah, you're, you're a public, you're a public I, face I of the brewer. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite phone calls. Uh, yeah. So when that 50, 50 thing was announced, you know, there's uh, Frank Zappa said this amazing quote, uh, which was people, people will agree with you if they already agree with you. So, <laughs> you know, there were some, there were some haters that were lined up waiting to hate and haters going to hate. And, uh, we got a phone call from a guy that said uh, it was like, you know, a, a comfortable um, six or seven months. Um, and he said, I just, you know, I just wanted to say i am uh, been been drinking your beer for a long time. And uh, I heard about the whole, uh, you know, uh, Heineken thing. And and I bought a six pack and I want you to know it still tastes great. And that's all I care about. And he hung up. And I was like, that, that's a that's a reasonable person right there. Yeah. So, you know, as long as the. Uh, as long as the beers still taste great and the, the, the you know, the, the culture is still there. And uh, my old uh, brewing professor, uh, Dr. Michael Lewis at UC Davis, he used to say, there's nothing unique to a brewery other than the people or its water. Everything else is mass marketed and available to all. And if you think about it, that's a pretty powerful statement. Yeah. Um, but, you know, OK, so some people want to dig a little deeper into the conversation and, uh, you know, I try to call out certain things like uh, that are actually true, like like Heineken is a family owned uh, company still. So um, the family, the Heineken family, so their, their last name is Heineken, uh, controls the or owns the majority of, of the of the company. And in that sense, they are the world's oldest family owned brewer. And. Uh, and that that, you know, that kind of works for some people, but, you know, others still want to keep kind of pushing you. So I'm like, all right. All right. How about this? Uh, Lagunitas, who the only brewery to be uh, shut down uh, for cannabis in 2005. <laughs> yeah, I want to uh, talk about you know, that. Yeah. Collaboration with the Waldos. Uh, now, um, now our centralized uh, location is Amsterdam. Um you know, how about that? And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, Amsterdam. Uh, we all know what goes on in Amsterdam, right? Um, they've had coffee shops and they tolerate. And it's been fun um, digging into 
why the uh, Amsterdam and Holland, why why they are they are so uh, tolerant. And this was I've actually learned this, you know, from our uh, from our friends at Heineken, is they they say, well, you know, if you if you walk through our history, um, you know, Europe is very very crammed. It's a lot of different cultures and countries crammed together in a tight space. Uh, they say like we were always like invaded. They were just constantly invaded, constantly cultures coming in, cultures going out. And, and over time, they kind of like learned to be tolerant because they were being invaded all the time. And I, I thought about that and I was like, you know, that's that's really cool. So I, I often offer that strange uh, that's that strange argument against the, the craft beer guy that's like, nope, I don't you know, you're 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 owned by a. You're owned by a big guy, and I don't like you anymore. And you know, just try to say, can you can you see this from a human perspective that we're we are still all humans, and we're just trying to brew, yeah, the most delicious beer that we can. And part of brewing delicious beer is and occasionally being uh, kind of recognized uh, uh, for that, right? So, well, so um, but well, now there's been such a flurry of of you know M and A and 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 all of that. Uh, that's why I was kind of arguing that the the us and them is to me, you know, that was so kind of like when when I first started uh, doing this, like almost two decades ago, there was a really strong sense of like us and them, or, or in other words, the the scrappy home brewers that decided to become craft brewers versus the world's big lager brewers. Yeah, and then and then now it's like it's been all thrown into a crock pot. And turned into a new stew. Thinking about the like, 2005 or thereabouts, and there was a sort of, I don't know, rock and rollness to, you know, craft beer and doing something against the mainstream and, you know, avant garde and all of that. Um, has there been a maturity, do you think, since those days? You know, because there, there's a vibe that a brewery gets into. But if you want to grow a business, like you do have to change, you do have to become more mature. And I'm curious, like what that looks like for you guys. Well, I just got to appreciate the fact that you used the music analogy there because <laughs> uh, we used to joke that working at a craft brewery was like having a band. They were they were equally things that would compete with your resources that you had available for your wife or girlfriend. <laughs> and then and then it was you know. <laughs> So, so being a, we're, you know, being starting a craft brewery is very much like starting a band, and uh, and as you know, uh, bands either um, glory days it until they fizzle. Um, everybody gets gets married and has kids, and the band practices and gigs get harder to do, or they, as you said, they they mature, right? Um, and then the analogy keeps going because sometimes fans will stop listening to a band that they really like as soon as they hear them on the radio, so to speak. Right. Um, I don't know if people if still listen the to the radio. Thing, no, I, I don't think it's think all so. online now, but yeah. you know what I mean? If they become kind of main, mainstream, so to speak. Um, so there is something to that, that idea that uh, people are inclined to want to feel special. And then part, part of feeling special is liking the secret thing, right? Like I like this thing and, I discovered it and nobody else knows about it. So it's, it's really special to me. Um, so that's kind of that discovery element, but I mean, to your question, absolutely. You, you, you have to, uh, 
you have to like, think of everybody that you uh, you went to high school with, and I try not to. That but yeah, one guy that is stuck exactly the way that they were when you were in high school. Like, yeah, you're like doing the exact same thing. You know, um, it, 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 they're it, they're it, a Springsteen song. Yeah. It, it, that's a great guy to go and 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 uh, have a couple of beers with and, and glory days it up and feel like uh, have that warm and fuzzy feeling uh, of of nostalgia. But for the most part, uh, e- everything needs to evolve and grow and uh, kind of you know things things will change. And part part of all of those words alludes to a maturing of sorts. And I, I do feel that the. Uh, the craft brewing industry, as well as Lagunitas, has uh, kind of uh, matured. And and to that extent, I also do get excited when I go and visit my friends uh, and former brewers who have started small little scrappy breweries. And I walk around and, you know, you, you, you see the sights of a struggling brewery. And I remember it very, very well, you know, not, not even being able to buy a, a, a box of clamps because you were, you know, you couldn't even spend that much money. It was like crazy things, you know, struggling to, to pay your, struggling to pay all your bills. You know, I, I, I remember that so well, and I also don't miss it. Um, but at the same time, I think you can see kind of all of the industry uh, maturing, especially with, uh, you know, 2020 and all of the, uh, the challenges that it's, uh, kind of presented you know i am i am proud of our industry with how many people are marching full steam ahead with uh planned openings mm-hmm. you know so there's so many people that are like oh you know the time to die to, the time to buy is when there's blood in the streets like now is the perfect time to be working on my business plan <laughs> uh, however you know i would also argue that it, it is uh it gone are the days of of opening up a brewery and making 20 hazy beers and reaching your five-year plan in, in your first year or two. Right. I mean, that, that, that was also a a thing. And so that's part of that maturity is, uh, realizing that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're here to stay. Uh, craft is, is, is not a flash in the pan. Um, and, and neither is IPA people, are going to continue to want these beers. Um, is, is it going to overtake lager as the world's currency beer? Uh, I'd like to believe the answer is still maybe, but it's not going to happen fast. Yeah. Uh, as we all know, our beers have problems. Um, you know, hops are the spirit that inhabits a fresh beer. So as you know, you could have a six-pack of IPA. You could drink one the day you get them. And it tastes great. And you could drink one three months later and it's like, hmm, it's where did off some of the hops go. And then you could drink one six months later and you're like, wait, where did the hops go? You know what I mean? Um, whereas like a, a, a lager beer, it, it, well, it didn't have much going on the day you got it. And guess what? It might not have much going on six months later either. You know, there's just less to go wrong. So you know, our, our, our beers are, are unique in that they, uh, I, I think they're, uh, the, the analogy is kind of like the, the farmer's market phenomenon or the, you know, the foodies that go to the farmer's market. You know, you go to get a moment of now. You, I want to get what's in season 
and fresh right now and i'm going to take it home and i'm going to make an amazing meal that celebrates the month of april or the the month of october right mm-hmm. and uh in, in in a lot of ways our, our beers are kind of are kind of doing the same thing the, the one outlier is uh barrel-aged beers right that i like to joke like barrel-aged beers are already old so they're perfect for aging because they were old when you got them <laughs> yeah so what's a little bit more time um yeah exactly I'm, I'm curious though to sort of talk about and and, and stay on this maturity theme as well mm-hmm. because you know as so going going back to, to 2005 you know when Lagunitas became, I think, like a brewery of legend because people were like, oh, man, they got shut down by the feds. Like this was this was a, a, a big story at the time. And it remains, I think, in the general consciousness of, you know, folks to this day. And it becomes like that really great, you know, party story. And it becomes, you know, the you know, like, man, you guys are, you know, a bunch of bunch of badasses. And, and, and the marketing behind it was was brilliant afterwards as well. You know, the beers named after it and it sort of became. Well, the, the, as Tony used to say, do, do Tony the McGee, crime, the founder, the yeah, I'm get the bragging rights. And uh, but it was genuinely scary when when to be here during that and to see guys dressed in all black with machine guns running around the brewery. And, you know, I didn't know if I was going to have a job the next day. I mean, it was really scary and it was over a joint. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty nuts. And, uh, absolutely. You know, we have, we have matured, uh, a lot. We would never go back. The spot where that happened is now our tap room, uh, where, where, you know, customers can sit and, uh, enjoy, uh, beers and because we are a, a legal rec state sometimes customers uh you know they they forget the the law and they might like do the thing that got us in trouble uh-huh. you know they might they might like light up and like we have matured to the point where we have to go over and say whoa what are you doing you know you're risking our license you know and because we remember that so well and so we matured to the point of you know, following the evolution of at least cannabis and then figuring out how to do that completely within the, the guardrails, you know, with, with, uh, with hi-fi. And I think hi-fi is a, is a great nod to how we have matured, uh, because it's, it's the, the whole way that it's, uh, that it's, that it's handled is by the state law. It's legal, Within you know, it's it's legal by all all of the yeah, California. I, I, I was I was going to say for for those who are not familiar with that particular beer, can you give a little bit of the background on it? So high high uh, high hops is an infused uh, either CBD or THC or some sort of blend of that. There's there's three different iterations. Um, sparkling hop water, so it's not a dealk beer right. that's has the alcohol removed and then you know it has uh, cannabinoids added it is it is not that it is a uh, you know sp- sparkling hop water no no calories no gluten um, smells and tastes uh, uh, you know kind of like well like like hops and and then it's uh, we we make it here we put it uh, and then we, we we don't add the cannabinoids here we then 
transfer that to our, our, our partners in Santa Rosa to Canacraft, and then they infuse it, they bottle it, and then they distrib- distribute it. Right. So it's a... And my apologies really for, for calling it a beer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got ahead of it, myself there. It's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a beer, but it, it very much, uh, drinks like a beer and looks like a beer and kind of, um, you know, it's a great, it's, a, it's just the, the idea is, uh, is all about like inclusivity. You know, there's a lot of people that for whatever reason, they, they, uh, they, they, they don't drink anymore or they never did drink, but they enjoy uh, cannabis. So it was about kind of embracing, uh, especially, you know, here in Northern California, uh, this, this is like a epicenter of cannabis culture, epicenter of grateful dead culture. Yeah. Um, so it was about kind of embracing that little, that little side of ourselves <laughs> and also, uh, continuing what started in, in 2005, but in a mature way and also a little bit of a slight stick it to the man because it's like saying guess what we were on the right side of history back then when that happened there's been a relationship between craft and cannabis for for quite some time and i I think that there have been brewers like like you guys who have been trying to bridge the gap um you know to bring you know one product into another and even though we're not necessarily talking about a beer uh here you know we are talking about you know uh, an infused beverage as it were mm-hmm. what where's the future of this collaboration you know is it is it in one product is it you know separate but together how how do you see the evolution of yeah yeah well i think you know if you if you just back up a little bit it's it's important to understand that uh that there's these similarities that exist in two ways we both share prohibition mm-hmm. and prohibition is prohibition and we all know what uh what 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 came out of it and i would argue that um cannabis is emerging out of prohibition right now and it's going to go even faster because of covid and a lot of uh state and local and municipal governments being for lack of a better way to put it cash strapped and uh and and wanting to move this along as something to tax so um so shared prohibition and then also but we can't overlook the unique uh kind of botanical relationship between hops and cannabis as botanical cousins so they they share a lot of uh kind of organoleptic and you know they they share a lot of uh properties you could you could argue they're both terpene factories whereas hops make alpha acids uh, whereas uh, cannabis makes uh, cannabinoids, but you mm-hmm. know, in a, under a microscope, a trichome and a lupulin gland look excitingly similar and and analogs. So, um, you know, to I, I, I uh, used to speak about about this a lot back when there were um, conferences, either either in the cannabis <laughs> space or the or the. In the I remember space. conferences. <laughs> I miss them, um, but. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I thought that uh, there would be um, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, aspiring brewers that may uh, jump into that space and lend their expertise. Um, uh, there could there could be also the, the reverse of that. So where you, you kind of have a, a, an osmosis of people. Um, I don't think that there will ever be legal uh, products that have both alcohol and cannabinoids or thc in particular i just don't think that the 
anybody is ready for that, um, nor does it really make any sense. Because uh, you, you end up with a truly, you know. Well, yeah. I, so talk to me about that, that it doesn't make sense. Because that, to me, when I have conversations with folks, it seems like that's the dream. Yeah, it's always been a dream, but those are. But the reality isn't there. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, we all we've all had a friend that uh, was uh, maybe didn't didn't smoke and 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 you know had had some beers and then had a puff and then ended up on the gravitron. Like, <laughs> if you wouldn't want to be doing that to people. So uh, <laughs> I just uh, I, I just feel like you know people can uh, choose to. Do, I, I like to borrow a line from my dad. My my dad's a a, a doctor, and uh, I used to joke, you know, you. Uh, you, you prescribe, uh, you know, legal drugs. And then, you know, I went into the BevAlk business and I feel like I do something similar. And then my friends over in the cannabis industry, they feel like they're similar to you. They, they feel like they're really um, providing medicine for people, right? This is, this is, and, and my dad would say, uh, people will just reach for whatever's around them. And you kind of, you kind of, you know, can't stop it. So I would, I would say to the people that want both in one product, they can reach for one and then the other separately on their own terms and their own privacy. Right. Um, uh, uh, I've, I've heard about, uh, at one point I heard about, uh, some, some countries like over in Europe that were allowing such products, but I, I don't, haven't really, uh, researched it enough to know if that's real or not. But, yeah. you know, I do think that, uh, we live in an exciting time where um, the analogy would be like if we were to take what happened when the, the uh, 21st Amendment was passed, which led to um, the, 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 the three-tier system and Bev, the, Bev, the mature BevAlk um, system that we see now that I was arguing earlier has done a really amazing job during 2020, during the pandemic of not having the supply chain break. Whereas you can't say the same thing for like cleaning supplies, toilet paper. I mean, I, I went to the store the other day, they're still out of stuff yet. I can go over to the beer aisle and find the beer that I want, which is amazing. You know, it's done such a good job. Um, so that system is kind of like forming and coalescing right now, as we speak, uh, within the, the cannabis industry, they're, they're going to yeah. go from this thing that was under prohibition, to it'll probably maybe get um, uh, rescheduled, right? So it won't be schedule one. And then it's going to open up this, uh, this idea, whether or not it's individual states or if it's federal, um, we're going to see kind of like what happened after the 21st Amendment, that that's going to happen for cannabis. And it's going to happen during our lifetime. So it's exciting. It's genuinely exciting to to watch it happen and i and to that extent uh, i do see and i'm already seeing for a good example our current uh c our new cmo came over from the uh, cannabis industry um and she was bev out before that so there's yeah there's a lot of uh kind of you know osmosis and reverse osmosis already happening uh, sure between the two industries finding what they can learn from one another and uh realizing that the uh, world of regulation and just, um, I, I mean, intense regulation. The, the BevAlk industry is intensely regulated. Um, that, that is going to be what is 
coming over to our friends on the other side. What I'm, what I'm curious about is if, if, if you don't necessarily think there'll be a, a, a complete marriage of, of the two into to one beverage of cannabis and alcohol and in, in, in one part of the maturity that we're seeing in the marketplace right now, um, you know, is, is the beverages that don't get you messed up. Um, or don't actually cause, uh, you know, any of the traditional effects and uh, the non-alcoholic space is continuing to grow. And you mentioned mm-hmm. it very briefly earlier on in our conversation, but I want to I come back to it because it seems like there's genuine excitement among brewers who are now wading into non-alcoholics. Uh, uh, and I, I, I find that fascinating that there is excitement there because this is something that people were not jazzed about. Uh, even a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, it's uh, so if you look at the rest of the world, um, you know, a lot of this is uh, governed by drinking and driving laws. And if you look at Europe, there there are many, many countries where the, the legal limit is zero. Um, so in other words, you you can't drive or operate machinery after one sip of beer, let alone a, a super boozy IPA. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has led to a very, very mature uh, market of tasteful and flavorful uh, NA. Uh, it's quite developed, and um, it represents uh, a, a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, you know, it used to be, uh, I know when my wife got pregnant, um, I got her a six-pack of the most commonly available mass-produced uh, NA beer available in the grocery store. Wow, you and... sound like a terrible husband. Oh, yes, I know. But let me tell you this. <laughs> I still have the other five bottles that she couldn't drink. <laughs> I was gonna and say, yeah. I promised my son that I will give those to him and he can pass those down to his son. And so forward it will go. Um, that's how terrible it was. Like That's like, a generational like, promise. I like that. It's, that's... A, it's a generational promise. And I bet the flavor will improve. But but what what's kind of happened is uh, um, the United States is 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 opening up. And then more importantly, it used to be that uh, the craft brewers needed uh, really, really, really expensive uh, dealkalizing machines that kind of cooked the alcohol out of the beer. Mm-hmm. And then you were left behind with like a, a cooked beer. And I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, when I homebrew, I'm cooking and that's the only time I want to cook. I, you can only cook beer once, um, so to speak. But then the technology improved and, and they got to, uh, you know, gentle, uh, more kind of like vacuum distillation technology but this is like way out of reach for your average scrappy home brewer and then uh enter uh yeast companies that are offering yeasts that uh don't ferment maltose and maltotriose so in other words they they make a beer but they don't make the alcohol um and so those yeasts are relatively newly available to Craft. So, so part of it is the availability of the yeast coinciding with the emerging trend, right? So it's a it's a perfect mix of the right the right thing at the right time at the right place, um, and you know people are uh, more health conscious. Not the, and they were already getting more uh, health conscious before the pandemic, but yeah. once the pandemic hit, everybody became health conscious plus, uh, you know kind of biophobes, you know, like I was having a talk with some friends and, and we were all like with our mask on, like, when was the last time does anybody remember getting a cold? Like, what's a cold? I forgot about, forgot all about what that's like, you know, it's, 
it's a, a kind of a little bit disturbing if you think about it. Oh, I don't know, man. I have what a toddler, so doing? yeah. It's, are they uh, are they sitting in a room like uh, plotting right now? Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> people are definitely. It's a virus conspiracy that you're floating. I like that. <laughs> uh, I, I have a vivid imagination. Um, Clearly, but uh, maybe maybe I watched uh, too many Simpsons episodes uh, growing up. But uh, which I guess there's no such thing as too much Simpsons. No, I was going to uh, say, well, not the early years at least. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, people were getting more health conscious, and then um, definitely uh, the pandemic has accelerated that. So you see a lot of uh, interest in the uh in a style and then a big a big knock on it was but i've had that and it i didn't like it i didn't think it tasted good and then now all of a sudden you have all these uh uh new entrants and existing uh craft brewers like like lagunitas with our ipna that's coming out in time for dry january okay um all kind of offering a what i would call a more flavorful um uh, offering that something that where you're not forsaking something where you can tell yourself uh i'm getting some i'm drinking a beer right it tastes like beer. it's got some hops it's got some malt um you know you, you can't really brag to your friend that you're drinking carbonated uh notebook paper right so i, I how long were you spending to develop this right because it, to to hear you say it like if you're going to put the name on it and you guys are known for, you know, a certain flavor profile and you have a like certain to say a hop stamp. Okay. We're, we're, we're known for the Lagunitas hop stamp. But um, you can't just, I, I, I would imagine you can't just phone this in. No, uh, it was, it, it took a very, very long time. It took a lot, it took a lot more time than a, a regular normal beer, which is why I think the, uh, all of the brewers and myself included are um, we're very very excited by by our next uh, new beer offering that because we've been working so hard on IPNA. Uh, but to answer your question, um, uh, the the prototype went on in the tap room in February, the day before we closed the tap room for the pandemic. Um, it was pretty it's ominous, man. Pretty remarkable, and then that was just like the. Uh, we, we have a guy, Mark, who works in specialty, who, like, uh, alchemy is his thing. So he likes to just, like, throw things together based on pure hunches and wizardry. And uh, and so he, he did what, in his own words, what's called proof of concept. And then to commercialize, a lot of his stuff involves a pure world of pain. So we spent the entire... Uh, you know, from, from February all the way to like this, you know, this month or last month kind of working on the ladder. Like, how do we, how do we make this not as a five barrel or 10 barrel, you know, proof of concept. And so in, in a certain sense, it, it took a lot more work and it challenged everybody in unique ways. So the really, really fun part is that it brought a lot of different part departments together in a, in a way that uh, just a normal beer, uh, you know, had, hadn't done uh, because there needed to be so much extra communication mm -hmm. and so much extra care uh, because uh, NA is very, very unforgiving. If you get one thing wrong, there's no blending 
opportunity. And blending is typically uh, every brewer's best friend. You can always save a beer until you can no longer blend it. Um, but with a with NA, there's nothing to blend it with. So one mistake, and it is off to the wastewater treatment plant, and that that makes me sad. So, uh, you know, because we want to we want to feed it to humans, not bugs. Yeah. So even though brewing is all about bugs, oh man, you know, it's always a uh, fun to explain uh, yeast to someone that that you know doesn't really even know how uh, beer and, and alcohol is made, you know, it's like you, you sometimes you can tell it gets, it gets them icky sticky. They don't want to think about the yeast. They don't want to think about this little single celled fungus. I can't relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> There's so much more. I want to uh, go down uh, different paths with you on, but I'm mindful of your time. So I hope uh, you come back again and we can go deep dive yeah, into hops one of these days. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. let's, uh, oh, I'm, Hit me up anytime, uh, unless you got something burning that you want to close out with. Uh, what's the hop you're most excited about uh, that you uh, you went through during selection this year? Oh, man, that's a really tough question because this was the first year that I actually didn't go to selection. I was going to drive up there, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, sad, very sadly... I didn't, but you know, we do bring in, um, tons and tons and tons of, uh, wet hops. Mm -hmm. I think we're the, we, we've been told we're the world's largest, uh, consumer of, of wet hops. Um, and so I got to see, uh, bins of all of the ones that go into born yesterday, uh, this year's born yesterday. I don't know if you've had it yet, but yep. it's, uh, it is, uh, all of our faves. So tons of Simcoe, uh, Simcoe's were looking really nice this year. Uh, Mosaic, uh, Citra and sabro um i like that you're uh, just naming all of the hops i asked for one and you're you're just going through the catalog i'm just naming now. them all but That's... you know what <laughs> I, I do have some hops that um lesser lesser explored hops that i'm excited about yeah um, yeah there's a there's a new one from new zealand called hort four double three seven that has some interesting characteristics uh we're finally to get our hands on some of the small um coveted new zealand hops like uh rewaka and stuff like that that we're doing some specialties with uh there's an australian hop called hpa 016 that is interesting there's a new hop out of france uh called elixir that we really like um i mean you've you've really uh, i don't know what you've, you you probably don't want to try to close me on hops because we could go for another hour um the wonderful world of hops. Uh, I definitely am always partial to the Pacific Northwest and all of the great breeding programs yeah. uh, that are going on up there. Um, just amazing work, but also very happy to see similar work coming out of some of the other Southern hemisphere. So you got, um, you know, you got South Africa, uh, you've got uh, New Zealand and you've got Australia and the, you know, the only real difference, uh, is between south or southern hemisphere and northern hemisphere besides terror is that there's just a lot less land down there so most of the hops tend to be grown in the northern hemisphere because we've got more land mm -hmm. but i think it's something really really uh magical our uh, our brew pub in seattle seattle dan there he does a uh, a northern hemisphere 
New England style, brewed with all Pacific Northwest, and then he likes to put alongside it a Southern Hemisphere's. And so it's just like what you would think. It's all South Africa, New Zealand, and and Australia. Yeah. And are you getting a lot of the South African hops? What is that? You have access to a lot of the South African hops. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a small, uh, actually a local supplier um, in uh, in Napa that's been able to get. They're they're you know they're real expensive. Yeah. I think that helps keep them more available. Um. Uh. And and they are. The supply has been increasing, so you know hops like um, there's a, a Southern Tropic, uh, Southern Southern Passion. There's a bunch of numbered varietals that we're really excited about. That it's I found that the general public can't get as excited about numbered varietals, especially when I can't even remember the number. Um, so the best part about a hop is watching them, you know, go to grade school or kindergarten grade yep. school high school and then they go to college and then they graduate and they get a name <laughs> and um you know one thing us craft brewers do is we like to be the the person that gets to name a hop so um i haven't quite gotten there yet but i planted a lot of seeds so uh, uh if, if i ever want to uh retire and rest on my laurels hopefully i will have named a hop but um turns out that's a very big uh political process that's hard to I don't think they just I don't think they want to let craft brewers name hops uh, because we do come up with really dumb names. Yeah, I was I was going to say this is going to be a, you know, Hoppy McHop face or something like that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's it's going to be. Uh, so my 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 oldest joke was um, these some of these hops that are coming out now, like like Nelson and Citra Mosaic. Uh, they're so loud and they're so good that the, the brewers don't even have to be good anymore. You can just shovel these hops into your beers and and the beers will turn out instant crowd pleasers i like that so you call that a joke but now it's you know no it's really true yeah I mean, you can you can hide a lot of really uh you can hide a lot of things if you dry hop at three pounds per barrel uh so i joked with the uh, uh a breeding program up in yakima that i want if you ever have a hop that's so like intense and so amazing that like it, it is just like Citra 5.0. Uh, I want you to name it Auto Tune. So that that could be. Uh, let's just see within the next five to ten years if we get. Um, yeah, the new it's a New England Pale Ale brewed with super boring Citra, super boring Mosaic, but it's also got three pounds per barrel of Auto Tune. <laughs> Uh, I can't log on to my untapped as I'm talking to you to fact check, but I imagine that there is a beer already out there called Autotune. But yeah, oh, there's got uh, to be a gotta, few. We, and, we uh, have a game we like to play, which is um, try to come up with a beer name that doesn't exist. And I mean, next time you're sitting with some friends, uh, try it. It's a lot of fun. You just, you know, first thing that rolls off the top of your head, you know. It's a, And yeah. there's a beer name for it already. And there's a beer name. Like you look out the window. All right, what do I see? I see a license plate. All right, type in license plate logger or your license plate beer you know and then something pops up you know whatever whatever first thing you see or first thing you can think of in your head you know uh well anybody who wants to play along and uh, send an email into the show they they should um jeremy i'll have you back on before uh you get to name your own hop i imagine so, but uh in the meantime thanks for thanks for sitting down and thanks for for talking with me today yeah i appreciate it always love talking about beer That's Jeremy Marshall, the brewmaster of Lagunitas. And a reminder that dry January is only two months away. Prepare accordingly. 
And if you're curious about South African hops, by the way, you should check out our friends over at BYO Magazine. They're at BYO.com, and there's been some hop coverage in the magazine lately that can help you get a little deeper into the cool hops coming out of South Africa. And also check out the BYO Nano podcast each month and Steal This Beer every Monday. Plus, there's the Beer Edge podcast hosted by Andy Crouch. So there's a lot to check out audio-wise in beer these days. What beer name have you come up with with your friends during a recent drinking Zoom? Who do you want to hear from on the show? And what's exciting you in beers these days? You can drop me a line at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or you can join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Nate Schweber does the music. He's got a new album out called Gaps that you should check out and download at NateSchweber.BandCamp.com, and Jeff Quinn made our logo. I'm John Hall. Thanks so much for listening. New episodes of this show come out every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.